Hello and welcome everyone to the North Davis Podcast, where we have conversations about faith in Jesus, what's going on in our lives, the world around us, and how those things all interact. I'm your host and friendly neighborhood youth minister, Chris. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Davis, we got a chance to interview our seniors for the last four weeks, and this week we have a chance to sit down with one of our elders, and so you're going to hear an interview today with Jim Hobby, and of course many of you know Jim, Uh, but if you don't know Jim or if you don't know the other uh, shepherds that we'll get a chance to interview in the coming months, uh, I think it's a really great opportunity to get to know them uh, just as people and to talk about what's going on in their world, especially in the past uh, 14 months in pandemic time and uh, just what their reality has been, uh, how they've grown over the years, how they think about leading uh, the church and, and just what that task means to them and how they go about it. And I uh, really think, again, just a great opportunity here before us to be able to get to know uh, these men as uh, elders. Um, because it's so much more than just the position, right? And so if you don't know these guys personally, I hope uh, this really will be a fulfilling uh, time that you get to spend with Jim and I as we have conversations about hobbies, about uh, pandemic life, and about all kinds of different stuff. So I'm looking forward to you guys hearing this interview, and it's a good one. Hey, welcome North Davis to Indie Pod. This will be episode five. We have in the studio, which incidentally doubles as my office, uh, in the studio is actually Jim Hobby, who's one of our elders. If you're a North Davis member, you of course know him uh, and love him for being. Um, what did you compliment yourself a little bit ago? I was describing my baby to somebody else and adorable, said, "Adorable, intelligent, and funny." Uh, yes, yeah, and uh, yeah, adorable, inquisitive. I think and funny. And you said, "Are you talking about me?" Uh, I think that's how people know you. Although Steve Keller, obviously, with his earrings, gets maybe more of the that's true unique. You would have several people tell you they've known me since I was a baby. Oh, really? Yeah, so... Okay, so help me out, because I don't know as many of y'all's stories, y'all being the elders, you know, as far as where you grew up, what your history is. Are you known in this area, or did you grow up in Arlington? I was born and raised here. Okay. At North Davis. Yeah, Uh, so you've known nothing but... Yeah, my parents came to Arlington in, I don't know the exact date, late, late 60s. I was born in 69 at Arlington Memorial Hospital. Mom and dad were attending yeah. Randall Mill. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up in the youth group here. Okay. Um, in this building and went away, went to college, started my family, and we moved back a little over 21 years ago. Okay. So was there any interlude where you weren't in Arlington besides college? Yes. Straight out of, straight out of college, we... My wife and I, Avery, lived mm-hmm. in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, okay. So we lived there from 92 until somewhere in 94. And then we lived in back in Searcy uh, from 96, 95 or 96 to 2000 when okay. we moved back here. And you say back in Searcy because you guys were Harding grads, we were both Harding of you? We were Harding grads. Okay. Uh, we went back, Avery 
went to she had not finished her degree so she was going back to finish her undergrad degree and then once she completed that I was going to get my accounting degree mm-hmm. I was not yet an accountant at that time and God had different plans for us and our second child uh, Blake uh, came into the picture and Avery was very ill during the mm-hmm. entire pregnancy so I went back to school got my accounting degree went to work and then she ended up finishing her uh, teaching degree elementary education degree later all right and then back to Arlington rather quickly been here uh, ever since you are I didn't realize this you're really close to my parents age and I knew that you're actually a few years younger so my parents were born in 63 and 64 and I'm thinking about comparative hobbies. So I know you and I have talked a little bit about some of the things that you do. Uh, you and Blake are both into uh, magic, I've heard you talk about, right? Which is a card playing game. Um, what other hobbies are you into? Uh, what are you doing with your spare yeah. time? I, I have not gotten the chance to play magic as much lately. Although, the other night, um, my son-in-law, Cameron Craig, and my daughter, Megan, live with us as well. So Blake, Cameron, and myself all sat down, and I played probably for the first time in over a year. And I don't know if Blake and Cameron are taking it easy on me, but I won two out of three. No, so not bad. We're just going to say I won two out of three. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, COVID uh, allowed me to, to, to get into that a little bit more and, and get to play, play a whole lot more and spend time with them. Uh, I cycle a lot. Right. Um, not as much as Steve Keller. Mm-hmm. but he's the guy that got me into it. So we, we ride a lot together and try to set goals and push each other, although Steve doesn't really need that. He pushes himself a lot. <laughs> I need Steve to push me. Right. Um, but we do that a lot. And then just, you know, spending time with the family. We're big Disney nerds. Uh, we I've love, seen the pictures. We love Disney <laughs> a lot. Um, I, I will say as much as the Hubbards. Um, that is a bold claim. It is a very bold claim. Avery, <laughs> actually, uh, she works with Kira as well. Uh, she's on Kira's MVP team. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, That's fun. So she's been doing that. Okay. Um, started last year doing that. So she loves travel planning. She always did that for us. Mm-hmm. And we said, you know, you should really just do this as a as a real thing. And so she's started you know doing that in the last year and was having fun helping people book their vacations yeah plan their vacations yeah that's cool i figure if you really love something like that like it's inevitable that you get into some kind of industry to be able to help hand that off you know oh she it's was like, already doing it she was already helping right. friends and family and, and everybody plan their vacations right. i was like go figure out how to monetize make a little it. money yeah, yeah. right <laughs> Yeah, it's like all you know, all of us that were Bible nerds in high school, we were like, oh, I guess ministry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just, I'll, I'll get into it. Um, well, speaking of pandemic, you know, this year has been um, unique on everybody. You know, obviously there's some universal experiences we all had as far as things being taken away and not being able to do all the same things we might normally. But uh, just in a year of pandemic, what has life been like for you individually and for your family? I don't remember when... Um, Cameron and and his wife moved in, but well, it, um, what, it's what, it's funny. They it been? yeah they they moved in with us in December of 2019. They okay. had been living so right down before. in Galveston. Yeah, right. Megan was working on her occupational therapy masters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. down at UTMB, and so she had finished all of her in class portion of the degree and was coming up here for the clinical portion. And she had her first rotation. 
uh, at a clinic over in Grapevine, and she contracted COVID. And they were living with us because the plan was they were going to come up here, stay with us while she did her clinicals, get her degree, pass her boards, get a job, and then see where we go from there. But she ended up March of 20 being what I like to call an early adopter. (laughs) And uh, she contracted COVID from the clinic where she was working. And about that time, they shut down all student programs and – um, so while she recovered from COVID and, and first of all, to step back from that, that was amazing. We have five people living in our house. Nobody else contracted it. Really? Yes. Fortunately. What was the magic of isolating her from everybody else? Well, Megan and Cameron have, we have an upstairs room that used to be a gathering place for okay. all their friends, about 500 square feet, full bath and everything. Mm-hmm. We put a barn door on it and made it their apartment. We we put her up there and wouldn't let her come down. Oh, there, <laughs> so there you go. We just we just iso- really isolated her yeah. up there, and Cameron slept downstairs. Um, but fortunately, yeah. she recovered from that with, you know, not too many extreme side effects. It it okay. it took her a little while to get over it, but nobody else contracted it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it really impacted them from a standpoint of. She wasn't able to finish her degree at this time frame that we expected. Sure. And, uh, you know, fortunately, that's all passed. And, you know, she was able to finish up and she passed her boards and she got a job and started uh, back in March um, at Baylor Hospital in Waxahachie. But, you know, it, it, it was a bit of a different experience where you just you had to change your expectations. That's for sure. And, uh, I mean, if anything, it's a, it, w- it was a good lesson on just life. Life is, you know, as I tell my, my kids, it's it's not ever what you expect it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you can mm-hmm. have great aspirations and great plans, and sooner or later it's not going to go the way that you thought it was going to go. Um, you know, I look back on, on my life and on, on Avery's life, our life together, and, I mean, I can point to so many instances where, that's really not what I thought was going to be happening in my life. Sure. Um, and that wasn't really how I saw things. And, you know, if anything, it's it's given me a great appreciation for not my will, but your will be done. Right. And that's kind of a mantra uh, that I try to live with and, and share with people um, that, hey, that's just – how it is and um you know jesus in the garden prayed not my will but your will be done and if it's good enough for him i figure it's good enough for me yeah and uh i actually give you some insights that people probably some people know about me Mm -hmm. others don't is i have a tattoo okay that includes that scripture oh okay yeah i didn't know that i'll show it to you later <laughs> now I'm nervous. No, it's on my arm. Okay, right on. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever noticed that. Well, I usually, you know, it's it's where it's not necessarily readily under visible. a sleeve at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. It's such an interesting thing thinking about the way that uh, control <laughs> was ripped. Kind of in the same spirit. Yes. Of of what you're referencing, uh, 
and I'm blanking on the exact reference, but um, uh, maybe James or talks about you know, or, or Paul, one of the epistles, and saying, you know, you say tomorrow we will go maybe down to such James. and such city, and, yeah. and we will buy and sell, and you know, how do you how do you know? Like yeah. you're you're here one moment and gone the next, you know, just this constant. Um, reminder all throughout scripture of you have precious little control um, and as if to remind us of that even the son of God you know is right, not right. is not necessarily in total control of the right. situation and, and places himself in the hands of the father and says bring it on you know <laughs> yeah I, th- I think um, that is James maybe chapter 5 if not somebody hit me okay. up somebody hit me up with yeah, that correct if, us if, if wrong. we're wrong yeah. I could google it real quick but somebody fact check yeah, me there that sounds right um, speaking of scripture, one of the things that I thought would be interesting to ask, uh, the elders and, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to ask, you know, multiple of you guys and just pick your brain. I, you know, I didn't grow up in the, in the church of Christ world. And so, um, you know, eldership and versus, you know, board or overseers, mm-hmm. you know, different churches have different ways of thinking about leadership and different, um, names and titles that we give to them. And so one of the things I wanted to do was just kind of think through um, one of the more well-known passages about elder qualifications in First Timothy 3, and uh, there's that Greek word overseer. And I just wanted to hear from you, and I don't know exactly how many years you've been an elder, but um, more than a couple, right, since you were invited to be a part of the eldership? Going on five years. Five years, okay. Um, so Gosh. Does this feel, does it feel longer or shorter? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah. Depending on the day. Right. Um, it's just always been surprising to me. It feels like usually when we approach um, leaders uh, in the congregation, uh, men who have demonstrated leadership capabilities, shepherding capabilities, a heart for the Lord and and, and all these things that we look for. Um, it, it, in my limited experience, it's it's the reaction is typically one of oh, I don't know if I'm qualified, you know, I need to really think on that, or, oh, I'm so humbled, I, you know, I don't know, let me pray on it, think on it, etc. Um, and then, it, but the first verse of, of chapter three talks about, you know, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, if anyone desires to. So uh, I'd love to just kind of pick your brain. Did you ever think, yeah, eldership, that's that's a desire I have? Uh, did is that kind of a weird question? But no, it, it's it's actually something that as as the process started coming around, I guess six years ago, mm-hmm. rough or five to six years ago, the, there started some people would come to me and start talking to me about how would I feel, right? Uh, if if they put my name forward, and you know the using the word humbling is is very accurate and, and on more than one level you know from a you know point of view that someone would think me worthy um was you know very humbling and very touching uh but from a scriptural perspective and an actual um serving in the role perspective humble is always the word I come back to Mm -hmm. and not, Oh, I'm so humble for this. It's like, it humbles you. Mm. Um, Almost like a passive thing. Like it happens to you. Well, it's active. (laughs) It's very active. Uh, You know, in, in looking at scripture and saying, wow, 
you know, how do I measure up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to these expectations? Um, you know, my mind also goes to the um, the book of James, speaking of James before, I think it may be James chapter three as well, where it says those who seek to be teachers, right? You know, yeah, shall this be, is a noble shall be judged more harshly. Yeah, this, this is a noble <laughs> thing and will be judged more harshly. And yeah. I'm like, whoa, right. I, that, that is, that's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's something I think about a lot. And, and going back to, to your reference in first Timothy, you know, it's shouldn't be okay. A, a man of one wife. Okay. I've got that one. You're right. Um, you know, not quarrelsome. Hmm. <laughs> There's, I mean, again, these, the people here in North Davis, a lot of people have known me for so long. I mean, they can point back to, well, I remember when you were just, mm. you know, that young guy and boy, right. you, you were just full of it and, and, <laughs> you know, just ready to go. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, would, would argue at the drop of a hat or, you know, your temper would get the best of you. And, you know, I'm like, wow, it, uh, the, these are tough things right. to, to consider. And then when you realize that in being in this position, you are going to be judged more harshly on how you make decisions, on how you lead, on how you impact other people's lives. That's scary. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. And it seems to me pretty clearly, both from christ himself and, and paul and james and uh, new testament writers that it's supposed to be a little bit scary a little it, it's supposed to uh, any any standard is a judge right and so anytime there's a standard it, it's supposed to make you blink and and think twice right and, it, it is not something to be entered into lightly yeah and and to answer i guess your earlier question i don't know if i answered it or not no this is not something you know, my dad was an elder, and I'm sure at some point in time, you know, the thought passed my mind. I mean, I grew up in this right. church. I grew up in the Church of Christ faith, and, and you know, I'm sure at some point in time I thought, yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure as a kid, yeah, I, I, I'll grow up and be an elder, but <laughs> as an adult, not really. Okay. I mean, it, it's not I, – I don't believe that being an elder is something that you should pursue. Uh, personally, that's my opinion. Uh, I don't think it's something that you should strive for. Um, I think through your life and how you live your life and how other people see you, that that is something that you are led to. Mm-hmm. Um, if if that is a if that is a goal in your life, I I personally would say you're you're not doing it right. Yeah. Isn't that um, interesting? I mean, because I think that some people see an elder or, or being part of an eldership. And this, uh, this is a little old school as a position of authority, mm-hmm. as a position of power. Yeah. Primarily. That's, I think how a lot of people see it. And I don't think it should be looked at that way. Yeah. Um, I think it should be a position of servanthood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it should be a, a position where you take yourself v- not seriously. I mean, you are doing a very serious thing, but you can't take yourself right. S- you know right. that seriously. I don't have the answers to everything. I mm-hmm. I so many times feel inadequate 
and how do you negotiate and navigate through this? I mean, there are people that I am sure have much, I'm not not sure I'm positive, Mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. a, uh, have a much better biblical grasp than I do on, on some things. And, you know, as, as you're wrestling with, name it there there's a there's a lot of issues in the in the world today that we're struggling with as christians i mean it's it's just it again it humbles you as you seek god's wisdom and just and you try to discern the best way to handle the situation yeah my mind is drawn to and i'd love to get your perspective as a person in church leadership uh, and a veteran of it by by this point certainly thinking about that that high bar that we just talked about and yet simultaneously wanting to you know take the position seriously without taking yourself so seriously acknowledging um, we talked about in college it's it's this is where I show off my degree and, and demonstrate the value of it epistemological humility Right. Acknowledging the limits of our right own. on. <laughs> but, you know, acknowledging the limits of our own knowledge, right. you know, the epistemology. How do we know what we know and and acknowledging the finiteness of that finitude, finiteness? Mm-hmm. Finite. Sure. You know, you it. know the word. You nailed it. Um, we'll go do, with it. Yeah. Thinking about this is something that's fascinating to me is is not studying the downfall of popular Christian leaders and reveling in it, because um, certainly that scripture is quite clear about not wanting to revel in the failures of, of our brothers and sisters, but just thinking about all the big names, um, and I don't know how closely you follow, you know, what's happening in Christian news. I'm thinking of names like big ones, you know, Bill Hybels, Mark Driscoll, uh, recently Ravi Zacharias, and, and all of the, the things that he did abusing his power. Um, how do we encourage pastors, elders, ministers, leaders of the faith to live into this uh, very high bar without, uh, you know, pursuing it, right? Like you kind of like what you said, the, the, the heart of somebody who, who desires to be an authority and desires to have that power, that seems to be concerning to us. That kind of raises a yellow flag. Um, but the people who are the best at preaching or what have you or arguing apologetics, um, then we end up with these huge stories of abuse and scandal in the Christian church. So, um, I don't know, I threw a lot out there, but just respond to that. How do, you, how do we um, be good leaders and, and be recognized as such without letting that go to our heads and without um, allowing for these abuses of power that tend to happen when, when power and authority goes unchecked? Yeah, I think that, that's, that's an interesting question. I had a friend of mine who, who goes to a, a large non-denominational congregation here in the metroplex Mm -hmm. uh, that was recently talking to me about the person that they have currently have in place as their lead minister or pulpit minister you know whatever senior minister whatever you want to call him you know apparently is a is a very dynamic individual and you know he is uh leading the church but he's got some sons that apparently have come of age that are also participating in the ministry Mm -hmm. and you know he's really concerned that somehow you know, the father is going to try to pass the, the torch over to the, to the son and say, oh, like here, here's, nepotism here, type here, thing. yeah, very, very much nepotism. Here's your, 
here's your new leader. And he said, how do you guys handle that? How do you deal with nepotism? I said, well, it's not an issue for us. Um, you know, children do not follow their parents in, in the role of ministry. I said, we have a, a, a group of men and, and, and a leadership team of men and women that, that work together and, you know, we in, involve the congregation in these decisions. Mm, and, you mm-hmm, know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's not a situation where you're building the ministry on a single person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, that is different, you know, not, not, not judging too harshly, but I, I think that that's where a lot of times these other situations get out of hand is it moves from the focus being on Christ to being on the individual that is fronting in the face of the ministry. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that is always detrimental when you move from um, the focusing on, you know, focusing on Christ to focusing on the individual and their ideas. And, you know, you end up surrounding them with people that just facilitate and foster that environment. Yeah. Some as, yes men to surround yeah, that person. As opposed to, you know, I feel personally, and, and I am biased, but I feel like we have a good a, a good uh, method here at North Davis where, yes, we have our eldership and, and, and biblically speaking, we are leading the church. We are the head of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have surrounded ourselves with our staff, you and, and, and Brett and Summer and um, that other guy. Oh, red hair. Yeah. Um, tall, um, kind of goofy looking. Um, John... Um, John um, Jacob Jingle, Jingle uh, Jeff Hubbard. <laughs> Jeff Hubbard. Okay, yeah, yeah. It had um, come to me eventually. He, um, you know, but <laughs> yeah, we've got that. But then again, you know, we 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 come together, and you know, the focus is again. I I feel um, not on, or it should not be on, what is our motivation. Mm-hmm. What is mm-hmm. our desired outcome, but what is God's desired outcome? Yeah, and and we do that when we when we bring in members of the congregation for you know committees for finding new ministers. Um, and and I was very fortunate. Uh, I, I participated in on a couple of them, but you know was very fortunate in in being on the committee prior to being an elder. I was on the committee that brought Jeff here. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. So now. Uh, if you're not happy with Jeff, I played a real minor role. <laughs> right, you were one of, <laughs> I was, I was, one of I was, ten. I was a bit player. Yeah, we'll give um, you ten percent of the credit. But you know, it just going through that, and uh, Phil Ware led that process for us, and that was just a very, I do believe, spirit-led process mm-hmm. where you put your own ambitions and your own thoughts and your own desires aside, and you try to focus on the spirit leading us. Yeah, yeah. and. I think that's so crucial. Um, and I, I think that that's, you know, a, just a real challenge for us today as Christians. Um, I mean, we live in a society that, I mean, is very self-focused, uh, a society that puts your thoughts and your needs and your ambitions above everything else. And I'm talking about Christians. Yeah. I'm not just talking about Joe down the street that doesn't go to church and, and isn't, you know, you know, except maybe Easter and, and Christmas. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Mm -hmm. Christians. And 
I feel like a lot of people um, have put their fill-in-the-blank, um, their job, their hobbies, not – not the, not gym hobby, but <laughs> right, you know activities they do yeah, for fun. Um, <laughs> their politics uh-huh, uh-huh. in front of Christ, and we need to get back to a Christ first mentality, Christ above all mentality, mm-hmm. and that's you know we kicked around some questions before, so I know I'm, I'm getting right. into one of your other questions here. You know, I think that that's our biggest challenge at North Davis, right? Um, and and in Christianity as a whole, we're we're dealing with things now that we have never dealt with before. The the Church of Christ model of the seventies mm-hmm. and the eighties and the sixties and the nineties. You pick a decade; it's not the same. Yeah, and it strikes me that it's not only is it not the same. It's not the same as it was maybe even a year ago. No, no. <laughs> it, yeah. It's changed it's, so rapidly between internet, pandemic, yes, globalization. I mean, and and I think you know, it's just I think it was so it started fast. building. We really have seen it building, you know, in the last two to three years or so, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit longer, but it has this last year, this last. 15 months has really, really brought it to a head. And that's why, you know, I think from a North Davis perspective, you know, we've got to figure out how do we call out additional leaders Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, that put Christ above all else? Um, How do we call out people that, yeah, I'm I'm looking at your, at your, uh, your commitment here on your wall um, yeah, I've got some commitments. And, and number seven um, really speaks to me. Yeah, this is from uh, Pi Kappa. was the social club I was in at ACU, uh, which, as I understand it, it was uh, heavily inspired by the Promise Keepers movement of the 90s, if you're familiar with them. And I so, am. Uh, commitment number seven is uh, that a Pi Kappa member is committed to influence the world by being obedient to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And. Specifically, that first, the great commandment, mm-hmm. which is love, love the your Lord neighbor. your God yeah. with all your heart, soul, mind, and, mind strength. and strength. Love your neighbor. And the second to this, mm-hmm. with a promise, yeah. is, is like it. And yeah. It is. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Uh, Matthew 22. Or it, Mark, Luke, what, uh, whatever your favorite right. gospel pick, pick is. Your gospel, go go yeah. pick one. But. With focusing on Jesus above all else and, and that love, loving God, loving Jesus with everything you got in you, what does that look like? And, you know, one of the things that we've been been kicking around and, 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 and one of the things that we're doing and talking about is is our our um, our ministry our, with North End Collective with right. the Hammets. OK, so. How do you look at the great commandment and what do you do with that? You know, I, I think that when I was growing up as a kid, well, it was love your neighbor as yourself. 
oh, that's easy. It's my next door neighbor. My next door neighbor was Gary Vollmering. <laughs> well, that was you know, easy. Uh, you know, unless Gary was a punk as a child. No, I don't man, I've always loved that dude. He is his whole family. I mean, they're like yeah. second family to me. Sure. Well, that was easy as a kid. Yeah, you know, we and they they moved moved away, but we, you know, still I was always with them. You know, mm-hmm. and it was, mm-hmm. oh, that's easy, man. It was the kids on my block. Yeah, I love them, and we play baseball all the time together. Right. That's easy. Well, but then we 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 tried to push that out and say. Well, let's look at the at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right. Who's really your neighbor? Mm-hmm. Who and people started debating. Oh, okay, it's not my next door neighbor. It's um, it's this guy over here in another world, you know, in another country. Right. Um, and I think both answers are right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not discounting that thought process process either. But I think that talking about the last two or three years and the pandemic and everything, you know. We have maybe used the second thought there of oh my 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 neighbor is is that's a global thought process. So as I pull into my garage, hit the hit the button, open the garage, pull the car in, hit the button, close the garage, mm-hmm. walk into the house, and don't come out. Right. I'm, I guilt, I'm so guilty of that. <laughs> right. You know, it's okay because I'm still loving my neighbor. Right, because, I wrote I wrote a check to because I'm helping, the mission in I'm, Ukraine. I'm I'm working in the Ukraine. Right, yeah, you bet. And I I like the way that the North End Collective looks at this and says, no, 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 let's literally take this as it's written. Tell me who your neighbor is. What's your neighbor's name, Jim? Right. <laughs> We, I don't know. Yeah, we had that first meeting with them, and I'm pretty sure more than half of us failed to be able to name. They had us, you know, list every neighbor that was adjacent, so either across the street I was or next door. So ashamed. Yeah, I mean, most of us couldn't do it all. I knew the neighbor to my left, mm-hmm. who ironically is Church of Christ. So I knew the husband. I knew nice. the wife. I knew what they did. I knew their kids. I knew their dog. Uh huh. I knew the first name of my neighbor to my right. I knew the first name of the husband diagonal from me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the end. <laughs> and I knew one other person that I never talked to because I knew them from high school. Oh, that lives in my neighborhood. And 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 I know her and and uh, I know her story and uh-huh. and uh, and her husband's story and uh, but I never talked to him because they lived two blocks over. Right. So. How do we how do we literally translate love your neighbor as yourself? Right. And I think that that is and some people do a great job at this. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, Steve Keller is one of them. That's not surprising. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But as a family here at North Davis, what would that look like Mm -hmm. if we really embraced our neighbor and you know, love them as we're commanded to love God and love the neighbor as ourselves. I think that's our, that's our biggest challenge. And that's why, you know, I'm excited about doing this work with NEC because I think for years at North Davis, we've said, how do we impact our community? Mm -hmm. And we've done some, we do some great work with our community here in Arlington. Right. Um, we have some great programs, um, that we do with hearts and hands mm-hmm. and the work we do with Wimbish and the work that, you know, that we do with, with other ministries and other churches. But this takes it a little bit more to a personal level. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily 
something I can, you know, sign up for and show up for. Yeah. It's something that you have to live. Yeah. And in, and in that way, it seems that it requires a little bit more intentionality because to your point, we live in such a, um, ordered way almost that, you know, loving my neighbor is for when I'm on my mission trip and then I come home and I shut myself at home. And, um, and and so it it really is, I don't know if you've read the book bowling alone that came out a few years ago, uh -uh. just talking about this exact trend of, of Americans, uh, at least. And I imagine most developed places in the world, we are not doing community things anymore. We don't have bowling leagues. We don't have all these social outreach type deals that forces or, or that we choose to enter into relationships with our neighbors. Um, and for the most part, we'd rather go inside, watch Netflix or whatever, you know, insert streaming service here. That's right. Um, you know, and, and, and I think even too, it, it may have started from, uh, I wonder almost a resistance to this old way of evangelism of the, the door knocking campaigns. And well, you know, my neighbor doesn't want to hear about Jesus and I don't, I don't like it when people stop me and ask me for money or, or to sign this petition. And so we, I think we've maybe shied away from, from that without realizing that loving our neighbor, we could have an hour long conversation with somebody and never bring up, you know, will you come to church with me on Sunday? Right. Right. Like maybe the invitation is coming down the line, but, but what does it mean to love somebody with no agenda? Right. I, I don't knock on the door um, or greet them coming in the garage so I can get them to come with me right. or, or, or ask them about if they you know, know where they're going when they you're die. Waiting, you're waiting in the driveway when they pull up with a, with a, with a track or a flyer or right. something to give them. Right. Like a crazy person is what it sounds like to me. Randy Harris used to make jokes about, you know, they would do door knocking campaigns when he was a teenager and, you know, knock on the door and you know if you died tonight that you'd probably go to hell, you know, <laughs> like I think, I yeah. think we have this generation of Christians that realizes Ooh, that's gross. And yeah. people hate us for that. And so we backed off entirely rather than just figuring out what does it look like just to, right. to, and, and I've heard neighbor. people say, you know, as, as, as part of some of this that, Hey, I don't know that I'm comfortable going and knocking on my neighbor's door and right. Okay. No, you, you, that's, that's not necessarily what uh-huh. it's about. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, say hi to them. And, and, and it's funny because as, as you know, I've been reading, uh, the, the book about, about neighboring that, uh, the Hammocks gave us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and one of the things that I've been doing is praying for opportunities to get to know these neighbors better. Right. Well, my neighbor comes over, knocks on the door, says, Hey, it's about time to replace that fence. Mm, the shared fence. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I've, I've known he's, he's lived I don't know how long he's lived next door to us. He he wasn't the original neighbor that lived to us, but okay. you know I knew him as Mr. Charles, mm-hmm. the Marine. You know oh, Jeff said everybody okay. everybody has nicknames. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Charles, the Marine. Uh huh. You know I I didn't know his uh, his full name. I didn't know his wife's name. I didn't know his kids' name. I didn't know if they had kids. I didn't know any, uh, you know anything. And so you know I've had the opportunity now because of that. To go in and just sit down and chat with him, find out, okay, he lives there by himself. Mm. You know, he he and his wife, and I, I think it may not important, but I think it may have been his second wife, ended up getting divorced. She's okay. she's gone and he's living there by himself. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good to know because he is an older gentleman. I said, Mr. Charles, if you need anything, you know, yeah. 
come get me. Right. Come get me. I'm here for you. And, yeah, and let's I'm make 30 sure we feet away. Let's make sure we talk more often. <laughs> right. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, because if you do need something, I want to make sure you're taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So because we needed a fence, I was able to have that conversation with him. And, you know, I didn't have to, you know, go knock on the door and say, do you, you know, do you know Jesus? And have you accepted him as your <laughs> Lord? Which right. I think is important. Of course. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't have to be the first thing out of my mouth. Right. And, you know, the, the, the way that we can, that we can just interact with people and treat them as people with the love of Christ, what, what would that look like if we could do that? If, Mm -hmm. if it was Mm -hmm. about loving them as we love ourselves, regardless of who they are, what they look like, what their, you know, ethnic background or socioeconomic background or whatever Mm -hmm. background Mm -hmm. might be, if we just treat them with love and common decency. What does that look like? Right. And yeah, that's and an experiment I'm willing to participate in. Right. Well, and and I think we can relax a little bit about the evangelism portion, whether we're nervous about doing it because it makes us uncomfortable, or worried about making other people uncomfortable, because Scripture tells us that. Um, God causes the growth, right? We just, we just water, Yeah, you know, it, right. it, it, it seems clear to me that the expectation all throughout, whether it's Jesus training his disciples and saying, you know, go preach. And if they're not interested, you know, shake the dust, be on your way. You know, we're not out here to force the gospel down anybody's throat. Um, and, and it certainly doesn't depend on you, whether somebody accepts the message of, of Christ, uh, it's God will, will water. We simply go about the business of loving others, um, and, and come what may, you know, and I, th- I hope there's a freedom in that for us as we just try and do right by people who are made in the image of God, like we are, Right. you know, we, <laughs> we had an experience several weeks ago where, um, relatively new house to us and just wasn't used to the fact that for whatever reason, the bottom lock, not the deadbolt, but the bottom lock on the front door, um, it, if it's turned, I can't even remember because we stopped using it, replaced the knob. Uh, one way that it was turned, it, it wouldn't uh, turn from the outside. And so you could lock yourself out <laughs> even without shutting the deadbolt. Um, and I've got an electronic lock on there with a passcode that will open the deadbolt. And so I just, you know, we're going for a walk one day, Sarah and I, baby and dog, and we lock the, you know, the door behind us. And I think, no problem, because I've got the passcode that I can unlock it. Not realizing that that bottom notch was turned. Right. So I've locked myself out of the house. The garage door, you know, isn't open. Uh, back door's locked. So we've locked ourselves out. Well, my sister-in-law's staying with us, but she's in Denton at the time, an hour away with the keys. And so... Uh, rather than you know praying for an opportunity for me to bless my neighbors, I realized I got to start asking some of my neighbors if I could sit inside. It's cold, <laughs> rain starts to come, so I we uh, made a friend in James, our single dad neighbor who has a baby one month older than Deke. Okay, and he's like, hey, yeah, come on in, and you know, hey, do you need a drink? And here's my baby's room, and you know, he's with his mom, you know, this weekend, and so let let the baby play in here and. And, you know, just hung out for an hour and, um, and, uh, yeah, there's just something, um, almost holy, mm-hmm. if you will, about just being with a stranger <laughs> and getting to yeah. know them, uh, without an agenda and just, yeah. um, letting the spirit fill in the gaps. Yeah. And, you know, that's not a new concept necessarily, but, 
you know, like we were saying earlier, you know, these 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 patterns and these models that we we have had historically. I personally, again, this is just my opinion. Sure. Uh, doesn't represent anybody else's opinion. I don't think they're going to work. Yeah. yeah. And and so we're going to, you know, we're going to have to lead differently. We're going to have to do. I don't know what the right word here. I don't want to say do Christianity differently because I don't think that's what, <laughs> I don't I don't think that's right. I don't we're, think not, that's yeah, we're not reinventing the wheel I, I, entirely. I think that going back to loving God and loving others, you know, that is Christianity. Yeah. Um, I don't think we should change that. But, you know, the 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 way we're structured, the way we, mm-hmm. you know, um, the way that we. The, the strategy, way, yeah, the, I, I, how I, we measure I, things. I'm, I'm, I'm really nailing my point here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just we're, we're going to have to try new things. Yeah, I think uh, the metrics know, are going to shift is what they're going to do. It, you know? it, it's it's not always going to be fixed by adding a new program or right. or adding a new staff member or you know something like that. It it it's gonna it's gonna take a new approach and a new set of eyes and a new thought process and it's gonna it's gonna take people that are willing to to maybe be a little uncomfortable and we're not doing things the way that we've always done them. Right. And that's tough. Um, but, you know, I, I would just ask that, you know, people look for, for look for that opportunity, you know? Um, yeah. Again, I'm not, let's emphasize here, I'm not saying do Christianity differently. Right. You know, the message of the cross yeah, has not changed. The, mes- the message of the cross has not changed. The, the scripture uh, has not changed, you know, that is the basis for what I do and for what I believe. I'm not asking you to. Su- I'm not saying supplement that. <laughs> right. Uh, but but I'm saying as we you know as we look back at this last couple of years and and the turmoil and the the anger and the hatred that people have had. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes us people. And and sometimes <laughs> us people. You know, we've got to get back to that Jesus above everything. Yeah. Jesus yeah. first mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we get there as, as, as a people, as a, as a congregation, as a, as a collective that we will see God among us. And that he, I, I believe that he will guide us. And I believe that he will, will take us in the direction that we need to be going. This flood in the building could have been a huge blessing to give us an opportunity mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. all be a little bit closer over in the family life center. Right. Um, I, I had, you know, I, I couldn't sit in my normal, we've already adopted, you know, our normal places to sit in the family life center. True. I had to sit on the other side right. um, last week and, and it was great to interact with, with different people. Maybe, maybe this is our opportunity as, as a church group to heal. Yeah to come back together to, to find that love that we have for each other to inspire ourselves so that when we're done with construction, we're back over in the, in the big room, as I call it, Mm -hmm. we now have that desire to love each other and love others. Right. I don't know. It's a beautiful vision and I hope we can lean into it. Um, 
parting question for you. And oh boy. I, I really thought this would be a fun thing to get to pick uh, y'all's brains about uh, in the same spirit of, um, like you said, not changing the core of what our faith is and has been for thousands of years. Um, but in the spirit of changing strategy and figuring out how to do things in, in a slightly new way, um, you know, one of the things that really attracted me to, to North Davis as a potential uh, job location was um, what I was told about uh, the process of um, bringing about the, the giftedness statement and all the work of um, uh, the church kind of collectively um, changing its mind, if you will, in a world of... Um, changing one's mind, which I would just you know call growth, <laughs> which happens to all of us uh, humans, hopefully. Uh, a lot of times in politics and in religion, especially, it seems changing one's mind is, is weakness. You're, you're flip-flopping or you're weak or you don't have conviction. Um, so, so parting question, as you reflect, maybe not on the women's roles issue, uh, since we, you know, like we said, we kind of moved through that as a church several years ago. Um, but something that you can reflect on in the past... 50 some odd years of life uh, where you can see a significant uh, area of growth in your faith or, or a change in the way you see um, God, scripture, church, uh, etc. So really open-ended question, but, but a way that you've grown in your view uh, or your belief. Yeah, it's not a tough one at all. <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, you know, I, I think the older I've gotten, I, I used to be a very black and white individual. Mm -hmm. uh, very much more structured than I am today. And I saw issues in the same way. Um, there is a right answer and there is a wrong answer. Mm -hmm. There is no in between. Yeah. So you're either right or you're going to hell. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you right. know, that's, um, and I, I think as I've gotten older, uh, I think that I have mellowed some, some people will tell you still not enough. Um, I've been accused of the I, same thing. And, and I, I, I understand that, but, I feel like I deal a whole lot more in the gray areas now mm -hmm. where I say or the grace areas we might say the, oh, there you go. <laughs> yes. The grace areas where, where I say, yes, I completely understand your point of view and where you're coming from. And I appreciate that very much. Um, even if, even if I, I even, even if I don't agree with you, yeah. I mean, I can still love you. Mm -hmm. And I can mm -hmm. still want to have you in my life because I don't want to surround myself with people that agree with me. Um, I don't think that's healthy. Yeah. Again, this is, this is the opinion of Jim hobby. This does not represent anybody else's <laughs> opinion, sure. Sure. but my own. Sure. Um, I think having people that, that don't agree with me challenges and and we like to say stretches me i'll, I'll tell you being an elder has stretched me mm -hmm. um to think about things differently and, and and not that it's necessarily changed my mind but has encouraged me to say okay i need to slow down i need to listen i need to ask questions 
I need to understand. Where are you coming from? Why do you feel this way? Why is this important to you? Mm-hmm. Whereas before mm-hmm. when I was younger, it was like, Psh, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if you agree with me or don't agree with me. Because mm-hmm. I'm right. Well, <laughs> and, it, and it was almost even more abrasive than that is because I don't care. Mm. Yeah. Did I hurt your feelings? I don't care. Lack of empathy. Yeah. 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 You know, did I upset you? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And. I look back at those days and I just shake my head and I think, how in the world did my sweet wife put up with me? (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, Avery has been, I mean, let me plug Avery for a second. She is wonderful and will have been married 30 years Mm -hmm. this August. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope that the change that, that, she sees in me hopefully she sees the change in me to a certain extent and and the change that others see in me that they that they mark as maturity and is is god working through my life but also it's been her patience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in not giving up on me and saying things like jim you you can't say that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I've heard that in my own marriage. <laughs> you know, back when I would say, I don't care. Say I don't say what I want to say. Yeah. You know, you can't say that. You can't use those words. Words have meaning. Words do hurt. Words, words can't be taken back even after you apologize. Right. And trust me, I'm good at apologizing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I have not, I, I've done more than put my foot in my mouth. I've stuck the whole stinking leg in my <laughs> mouth, you know, and just gnawed on it for a while. And, and, you know, I, I think that in the in the 30 years that we've been married and, you know, we, we've we've been together since we were both about 20 that, you know, we dated a couple of years. And, you know, as as is the, the Church of Christ, that's the custom, uh, you know, you, you date a year, you get engaged a year, you get married. Right. All while at a Christian all, university. All while at a Christian or university. marriage factories, as yes. we called them. <laughs> um and hoping that your friends won't just start avoiding you once you start dating more than, t- you know, go on your third date because uh, right. at that point in time, you might as well get married. And, yeah, then you know. you're exclusive and it's over. It's <laughs> a done right. deal. You're locked in. <laughs> that's right. You know, I, I hope that, that that's what – I feel like that's the change that I see in me. I hope that that's the change that other people have seen in me as well as is, is that I'm not as abrasive and over the top. Mm-hmm. Um that that hopefully I and I, I still fail at this greatly, but hopefully I take a gentler approach that that it I don't say. If you don't agree with me, then you are wrong. Yeah, hopefully I've reached the point in dealing with people where I can say. I, I still love you and. We're, we're going to disagree on this, but don't right. misunderstand me. Just because we disagree doesn't mean I don't love you. Just because mm-hmm. we disagree mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I think that I'm right and you're wrong. Right. I, I, I'm going to leave plenty of room for the fact that I, I could very possibly I, be I wrong could on be this wrong, issue. Sure. Um, but I'm also going to leave that grace area mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's not my decision. Yeah. Yeah. I thank God that it's not my decision. Right. That that he will make that decision when the day comes. 
and he will judge me accordingly. And hopefully, I, I won't be found lacking. Right. And, and I believe I won't, again, because of that grace. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I, I think that that's important, as, again, as we move forward as, as, as a people, that, that we work a lot in that grace area and give people a lot of grace. Um, yeah, just like we've been given. Just like we've been given. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, I've got to hope that Judgment Day is just full of people falling short and, and, and not having enough to get there. And whatever the gap is between the ideal and um, our lived reality, that the, 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 that Jesus meets us in the gap, you know, because and, and, we just can't do it on yeah. our own, you know. And we preach that message, but we don't always live it. Uh, out with each other so um, well I appreciate your reflections on that question I know it's kind of a tough one to think about but uh, like I said just so valuable I think to to hear from um, our more experienced Christian leaders and to hear um, what is going on in their minds and how they've grown and how they've changed for the better and the way that God works on our hearts over time so appreciate that reflection Uh, well I know you have an obligation coming up here shortly so uh, we're going to let you go and get out of here. Jim, appreciate your time. This no, thanks for having me. It was great fun. Maybe maybe we'll do it again. Okay. Uh, and we'll, you know, next time we'll we'll talk about sports or s- sports and, and Something scripture. light and pleasant. <laughs> yeah, sports and scripture. That would be fun. Sounds good. Thanks. Well, folks, I hope you really enjoyed that interview. I know it was a blast to get to do it. Uh, just something different that gets to happen when you just sit down with a person for an hour without much of an agenda. You know, we have six or seven questions and topics we want to get through, and uh, we just kind of let the conversation go where it will, and there's something uh, powerful about that. And I hope, as you heard Jim and I talk so much about uh, our partnership with North End Collective, NEC, uh, and what we're trying to encourage our people to do in loving um, their neighbor, and specifically their uh, next-door neighbor. Uh, And so I hope that you've heard the heart that we have uh, for that mission that we believe that Jesus has called us to. And uh, I hope you see the opportunities that are ahead of us to be able to engage with our next door neighbors and to be able to uh, love on people just because they are uh, people, just because they are other human beings made in the image of God uh, who have Uh, needs and who have fears and concerns and hobbies and loves and all the same things uh, that we do. So uh, again, just so good to hear uh, Jim express the heart of that and to to hear him share. Uh, In the coming weeks, uh, we'll get some more interviews with some different elders. We also have some summer interns starting shortly, and so you'll get to hear from them and uh, hopefully you get to meet them in person, but we'll also get a chance to sit down and do uh, a podcast interview as well. So plenty to look forward to. Thanks for listening to Indie Pod Episode 5, and we'll see you next time.